0: When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best they could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're alive. Let's get started. Have you ever been lost? Most of our experiences of being lost are from our childhood because, well, you just don't Know where to go for <laughs> when you're in a store and you're trying to find your mom. And I remember being so lost in the middle of a grocery store that I panicked and I ran pell mell to try to find my mother, who I had been separated from. And I ran somehow in my blind panic into a giant silver pole that was in the middle of the store, some sort of support beam. Because I remember seeing that really shiny aluminum or steel surface as I hit it, smack into it. And I don't know how that could even happen except for the fact that I was scared beyond my wildest imagination. As only kids can be when they panic, when they're lost, when we're lost. There are things that happen to our feelings when we're lost. There's panic. There's rage. There's Disappointment. There's fear, anxiety, every human emotion, all 900 of them happen when we're lost. There's betrayal. Why did they leave me here? Why didn't I prepare? There's shame and guilt. Um, why didn't I avoid this somehow? Being lost is a really scary place to be. And we use this metaphor of being lost in the woods or lost in the wilderness um, to describe the spiritual state, Jesus uses that for sure. Tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. I love how that phrase is said. They were coming near to listen to him. We're in Luke 15 today. And it wasn't like they were coming to follow him, it doesn't say, but they were coming near to listen to him because they knew he was saying something to them. And I found that no matter what people believe about God, or the Christian faith, or anything. Um, people are always interested in what is being said about them. There is a great anecdote from Donald Trump's presidency, and we're not getting political here, but it, I think about it a lot, that some of his advisors felt that he wasn't reading all the briefings, and... So they would put his name as much as they could in their write-ups, in their summaries of what is happening around the world, internationally and whatnot. And they said his attention span went way up when he saw his name somewhere in the text and he would actually read those parts of it. I found that to be funny and I laughed a little bit. But then I thought about myself and I'm not that different than that. I want to see my name in something or I will pay attention if I see my name written somewhere. Um, And that is how these tax collectors and sinners are coming to Jesus because he's talking about them. He's talking about the human condition. And he's eating with them. He's eating with them and he's sharing food with them. And this becomes a scandal. Pharisees and scribes are grumbling. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. They have made a clear distinction between them and us, the sinner and the righteous. But Jesus tells a story, and Jesus keeps their distinction in place, that there's sinners and there's righteous. He says, which of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. So I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. We, the world lost Queen Elizabeth this week. Um, After a long life and long reign, um, we mourn her passing as a member of our Anglican communion. Um, Defender of the faith and other significant parts that she's played in our church life um, here in the United States and certainly around the world. And I remember her last Christmas message. It was about, it was the first message she gave after the death of her husband, Philip, who was a big part of Christmas there. And there were they played some old footage of him decorating the tree and those sorts of at-home moments. Um, and she talked about what it's like to go through that first Christmas without somebody. Even though they were together so long and were so elderly in the way we think of time, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter how old you are or where you are in life. When someone is there and then not there. It's a loss. And we feel lost. Loss creates lost people. The lost people that Jesus is talking to, the sinners and the tax collectors, are people who have sinned in the sense that they have broken their own moral code and the code of their community. The tax collectors are famous for becoming contractors with Rome. They are Jewish people that are part of the Jewish community, but they have become clients with Rome through bribery or some other family connection or something to get these contracts to collect taxes for Rome. Rome kept conquering, not because their lives were threatened or they were worried about their people getting attacked. They conquered because every time they conquered, they could tax And they had these contractors. Rome had very little infrastructure in the way we think of governments today. What they had was these client contractors who would collect taxes for them. And they had a Roman soldier there to enforce their rules. This is not a money economy primarily. It's chickens and goats and cattle and sheep and grain. And you have to count all that by the bushel and figure out what is a tax from that. It's a brutal business going through people's houses and sheds and barns and determining what they should be taxed and how they should be taxed and it's enforced and there's arguments and there's shoving and pushing and sometimes killing and they've decided to do this with their life kind of tells us a little bit about sin sin always has a benefit for somebody and it's the kind of structural sin everything that those tax collectors did was perfectly legal it doesn't make it right sin has a way of corrupting us in that we think we're doing right when we're really doing the opposite i think of our nation's response to 911 that i was part of the iraq war and how that misguided attempt to save lives or preserve our country or do whatever we were trying to do resulted in a lot of cruelty and suffering around the world not just to our own people, but to the people of Iraq and around the world in that destabilized region. Sin, other people's sin, has a way of getting us involved. And all sin is just looking for love in all the wrong places. We often have someone sin against us or build a structure that is sinful and against the way God wants us to live in harmony and is exploitative, and that exploitation then creates hunger and a hole in our hearts and we go to fill it with something. It's not Drinking a beer isn't a sin. Sex is not a sin. Having a good time is not a sin. These are not sins inherently. Nothing that God created is evil. There are no sins that God created. All sin is a turning in on itself. Where mutuality goes out the window, and all we can do is think about what we need to be happy. And so we take and we exploit and we self-destruct and all that for our own survival. That is part of what it is to be sinful in the world. And we are lost in that. We are lost in our sin in our attempts to find love, in our attempts to be recognized, in our attempts to find meaning in life, all these things take us down paths that we wish we'd never gone on. And Jesus says that God is looking for us. God is looking for that one lost sheep. The 99 in the fold are sinners too, and they have their own thing to do with God. But God is always looking for the lost. And you can't just tell by looking at them. I remember when I came back from the Iraq War, my response to 9-11, I didn't feel that God loved me. I only felt somewhat good when I could run well, and if I couldn't, I felt terrible. Everything else in my life, the props that had propped me up, my family, everything, had fallen away at that time. And somebody invited me to their church, and I went. And I didn't feel that God loved me anywhere. I felt like I had done things and participated in things in that war that I could never undo, and it caused harm to other people. And yet when I went forward to take communion, when I sipped from that chalice and I ate that bread, I knew that God loved me, because I knew there was a man that lived 500 miles from Baghdad And they took him and they put him on a cross and he hung there between earth and sky, his arms stretched out, pinned down, unable to move, paralyzed by the sin and weight of the world, absorbing in that, in his body, all of my guilt, all of my shame, all that I had gone through, all I had done and left undone. And I knew that whatever I'd done or left undone and all my failings and all my sin and all my moral injury, and all the things that I had gotten caught up in, that I was loved by that man on that cross. And the fact that I could see him on that cross meant that God loved me, that ultimately at the heart of the universe, in the heart of God, it was not indifference and cruelty and war and destruction and bombs and amputations. It was not that. It was love. That was at the heart of of God, And it was love for me, a sinner. And that's when I started coming back to God. That's when I started coming home. And the home I found was the Episcopal Church at that time. And it's been a home for me ever since. Because I knew in that moment in communion with no sermon involved, with no music involved, just me and Jesus, I knew that I was loved. I knew that I was home. I knew that I was forgiven. I knew that God was with me. And people need to learn that. I need to hear that. And they'll only find it when they meet Jesus, because Jesus is out searching for them. We get to team up with Jesus in doing this. When we hear of someone's losses, when they share with us their losses, loss of health, loss of connection, loss of community, loss of relationships, when they share with us those losses, we hear their lostness. And they may have known Jesus for a long time and you can still get lost in this life. And then that's when Jesus is looking for us the most. We are the most loved when we are the most lost. And I know that. I see him on the cross and I see him standing by an empty tomb and I see him at the right hand of God looking at you and looking at me and I know I'm never lost again Amen O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.